One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. The message behind the Grief Gang is to normalize the topic of conversation that is grief. People living with grief can often feel ashamed, isolated and alone. This podcast was created to break those taboos after I myself experienced all of those feelings after the loss of my mum in 2016. I decided enough was enough and we need to talk about this. You'll hear on this podcast an array of stories and experiences, some being my own and some being fantastic guest episodes and their incredible stories. You'll laugh, you'll cry, but I hope above all, I hope you'll learn. I hope you'll learn that you are not alone in your grief journey, that you have a voice and it should be heard, that you and your grief matter. So without further ado, I'll let you enjoy the episode. Happy listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast. It has been a hot minute and this week's episode is a guest episode and I'm so happy that this week's guest episode is someone who, during lockdown, I've come to know very well and likewise, and a beautiful friendship has blossomed from it. If you haven't already gauged who that is, you probably have seen her weekly through lockdown on our Instagram lives, chatting pure shits Garbage. <laughs> every time, <laughs> but you all seem to love it. And I'm very grateful that we did those. And we were meant to record this back in April, the beginning of April. And then Rona happened. But we're here and we're doing it. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you all Poppy Chancellor. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me, Amber. No, honest to God, I'm I'm so happy we're finally doing this. It's been a long time in the <laughs> making. We better make it good. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Because wasn't it? We were meant to record. I think it was like the fifth of April, out before one of your grief case meetups. Yeah. Um, and and then Rona, and then we were just like, oh yeah, should we just do a live? And we're like, yeah. You and you taught me how to do it. I yeah. said, what do, do it? So what? How does this work? <laughs> and you're like, babe, yeah. you go on, you press the button. And I was really terrified. I think I was even like doing my lipstick during it because I thought it was so casual. And then I realised there were people there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You after like, oh, a while, and then the and then we started to understand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's people that are asking questions. Okay, right. Yeah, it's not like, just got us. This. And we did. And we did that first live. And then the people wanted more. 
They did. They, the people wanted more. I, didn't, I don't think they had a choice. No, they did. We were like, <laughs> we're here every Wednesday if you want to come along. <laughs> and you can love us or hate us, but we're still going to be here. And we did it for a good, like, solid month. Month and a bit. Yeah. And yeah, but we're, again, I'm digressing. I've not even started. <laughs> Guys, yeah, if you... Um, if you have tuned into Mine and Poppy's Live, you know the drill of how we roll and how it's a branch and a branch of a branch with us and yeah. how we do. So I'm going to like with this, like wipe the slate clean as if I don't. Yes. That's a thing because we know each other. Yeah. Pretend you don't know who I am. We literally have to pretend, yeah, like you're a brand new guest. We didn't see each other weekly. <laughs> <laughs> and no one We're else, not engaged. Yeah, we're not engaged. Basically not a married couple. <laughs> and wipe the slate clean and we're going to tell your story. Because it's a bloody great story and what you have created with it, and we will eventually roll into that. Yeah. So, Poppy, without further ado, could you please tell the listeners who you are, your age, what you do for a living, and what you do in the grief community? And Mm -hmm. then we will go on deeper depths to that later on. Yeah. Um, well, my name's Poppy Amber. Um, I am 33. Um, I lost my dad four years ago to liver, lung and bowel cancer. Um, and I would say I was a late bloomer in grief, um, because I didn't feel my feelings for a long time. So this, this, I think, Not that I have um, an extremist personality, but I definitely went from feeling nothing for Mm -hmm. three years to kicking the door down and demanding that we talk about this mm-hmm. and it it was definitely like a one a 180 from <laughs> and everyone's kind of like where did this come from <laughs> I thought she was fine you know when people say I thought you were fine I was probably the most yeah. allowed that you mm-hmm. were going to say that because I genuinely never spoke about it yeah um I thought you know it was um, a good experience he was you know I can't imagine it being any better than that mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue with my life mm-hmm. and I do think when I speak to other people who have trouble connecting with their grief, that there is a level of protection there Mm -hmm. that might come from, you're not ready yet, hun. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. You ain't ready. You ain't ready. And I I don't think I was. And I, I maybe just needed a bit of strength to just come to terms with the reality of that. And I so wanted to be fine. Mm. And, and you know, I'm, I'm from an acting background. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I kind of faked it to make it until I couldn't make it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like when I speak to people who say I haven't spoken about my grief in 10 years, mm. I'm like, that's just because your, your bit that I had is just a little bit just longer. Just a bit longer, yeah. And it doesn't shock me anymore. Mm. I think to other people, they're like, what, so you lose someone that close to you and you never speak about it. There might be a bit of even criticism mm. from the general public mm. of of that. But then at the same time, the general public don't want to talk to you about your grief. So, okay. so we're you, kind of criticised whatever our grief looks like. Damned if you do, like. damned if you yeah. don't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what what's been amazing for me is... Um, I'm an illustrator in my in my job, and I one day just decided to talk about mm. that I'd lost my dad, and um, 
my heart was racing mm. before I posted it. And I don't know if anyone who shares about their grief for the first time in a public space also has that feeling. Mm. I'm guessing they might do because you're going, mm. Mm, <laughs> but absolutely, um, yeah. Also, like, I realize I'm the type of person that goes, oh, too much information. Yeah. I'm one of those yeah, people. Yeah. And I always thought when people were like, I've had a tough time with this, I'd be like, Keep, who cares? Why are you sharing that on social media? <laughs> yeah. I realised that I had a really critical voice yeah. about people oversharing mm. and that I was then getting that own critical voice of myself. Mm. But when I look deep at it, it's like, I have been in hiding mm. as a grieving yeah. person and I'm coming out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming, coming out. out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I realised that by pressing share... I couldn't hide anymore. I didn't really know that at the time, but I knew that my panic was probably related to are people going to think I'm attention seeking? Mm -hmm. Are people going to think this and that and the other? And the response was wild. Mm. And I think from what I've seen, people discover the grief community um, little by little. Mm -hmm. So you may, in your explore page, something might come up or you might search grief as a hashtag or something like that. And I literally got the full list Mm. in one go. So I think I had like 250 comments saying like, babe, you need to listen to this podcast. You need to, um, there's these meetups you can go. And I was like, what? Also, I didn't know. Exactly. I had no idea. I just thought I'm going to tell my friends and family that I'm grieving and I'm dealing with it (laughs) and I'm, I'm going to talk about it. I'm doing it guys. I'm doing it. Yeah. And then, and then people so the image that I shared was a paper cut that I made that said dead dad club Mm. and I was just gonna I was coming out basically as a member of the dead dad club because I I wanted to identify with it and Mm. I wanted to own it and me and my sisters had said we're all in this club Mm. together and it made me feel safe and it made me feel like hang on, I don't have to be ashamed. Mm. I can be in something that yeah. feels inclusive, mm-hmm. especially with my sisters. Yeah. And um, and I, I didn't realise that there were going to be all these, hi, member since 1980, yeah. whatever, member since 2000 mm. and this, member for three months. Yeah. People were writing their story underneath. Mm. And I realised that by opening myself up, I gave people permission to say, this is my experience too. And I got goosebumps Mm. from it. And I, I was like, whoa, there's a whole world out there and I don't have to hide anymore. I can, I can discover different parts of it. Mm. I can, um, you know, oh, I'd love to talk to people about this. I'd love Mm. to see what their experiences are. And it was, definitely my first taste of not feeling alone in grief and it came all at once which was quite overwhelming yeah maybe thought you'd have like a trickle easy win and then I think yeah from what I've seen is like most people have that like trickle experience where they might find one Instagram they might find another and then that might encourage them to have a conversation with a friend or a family member and I definitely felt like there was a door that I opened that kind of whooshed over me you got catapulted thrown in I got catapulted but I didn't realize that that was exactly what I needed and um, maybe the trickling wouldn't have worked for you I don't think it would have because 
there was something about other people's need to share themselves with me that realized it was okay for me to to do, to so, do that yeah. so I actually got a lot from even just those people writing the comment that mm-hmm. they're members as well they don't maybe realize that they help me as well on a grief journey yeah. that was just beginning in that moment yeah that's I think you're both of us we can speak from that from I don't think yeah we both realized how us sharing or other other people sharing their stories with us is so cathartic and healing for us too mm. and I think for people on the outside it's so like some of my friends and family were quite hesitant when I started because they thought is this going to do more damage mm. to you by hearing especially that? if you've been in a dark place yeah, exactly. people aren't sure if are you making the right choices exactly. for you I think it is you know because mine was like manic depressive state mm. suicidal start a page and podcast helping other people mm. my friend's family were like hun maybe you need to sort yeah. your own shit out mm. first and I was like but I think this is that thing that's going to sort my shit out and it fucking did <laughs> insane it's just mad and, and for a while i battled with myself too thinking actually is is this the right thing is me meeting with people and hearing their stories and talking to people every day on instagram is that really gonna do something for me and then when it started coming in i was like this is fucking euphoric to find mm. people that just get it and i think connection as yeah. humans we want to, to connect especially with people that empathize your experience Mm -hmm. or have experienced the same thing as you and um as soon as you have all those little connections Mm -hmm. you feel so for me I think being cut off or loneliness in my um grief that was um underneath (laughs) um when I got to connect with those people and hear their stories and and know that there was other people who didn't have dads and were worrying about what a wedding might look like mm-hmm. or would worry about having kids and them not knowing a grandparent or I was like whoa I'd been secretly thinking all that mm-hmm. stuff and just not Never even letting myself go there mm-hmm. because of the fear of what looking those thoughts in the eye would feel like. Mm. Um, And then when I realised other people were saying the thought out loud, Mm. it kind of demystified all the, like... Again, like we were just saying, you're you're, you're doing it, it's okay to say these things out loud. Like, if you're going to do it, then I'm going to do it too. Yeah, and it made it much less terrifying. And I thought people would attack me for writing about it. And I... I didn't realise how much compassion there is from other grieving people. I'm sure other people found it vulgar. I'm sure Mm. other people maybe found it, like, a bit shocking that it just came up in their Mm. feed and, Mm. like, oh, she's going on a rant. Or whatever. (laughs) You know, we all have different... (laughs) Of course. We all have different responses to things. But the overwhelming support that I got from that, I just... Not that I hadn't got it elsewhere, but because it was on such a large scale, mm. I was just, yeah, so overwhelmed and happy. And I learned a lot from all the um, podcasts that were suggested mm. and all the pages that I should follow. And 
oh, there's a meet up here. And, mm. and I kind of started, started to dip my toe yeah. into a grief journey or like something that looked a bit like acknowledging that you've been through yeah. something. Mm-hmm. I don't, some people call it a recovery, but for me, it's not, it's not something that I'm going to recover from. Yeah. Um, but it's just moving in a direction that feels healing mm-hmm. and we don't fully heal, but it's just being soft and giving yourself a bit of time mm. to acknowledge what you've been through because it's very easy not to do that. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Exactly. It's very comfortable. It's a comfortable, um, say comfortable. It looks comfortable on the outside, mm. but on the inside it's it's strange, isn't it? You know, our story is very similar where we kind of coasted for like a, what, a good amount of time and then it all just came to the surface. Mm. And when I think back to that time where I was like coasting, I remember genuinely thinking like I was okay. Yeah, oh God. Genuinely. I was like, God, I'm doing so well. <laughs> I've got this grief thing in the back. This grief thing. I didn't realize it doesn't actually affect you in any way. And you can just carry on working really hard and everyone just admires you. Literally. What? And then I, I was never in a frame of mind where I thought this is going to catch up to me. Mm. I've never thought that. And then when it did, I was mm. like, fucking hell. This yeah. Is yeah, I definitely got knocked for six, <laughs> yeah. and I was not expecting. Grief was like, "Hello, <laughs> yeah, ah, oh, I think you forgot about <laughs> yeah. me." It's been waiting in the bag, like, "Are we ready to talk now?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I kind of. You know when you have an argument with someone, they're like, "Do you want to talk yeah. now?" It was almost like the death was the <laughs> argument, and I was still upset. <laughs> and grief was just sat in the chair in the corner, like. So we're going to talk now. Are you hungry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want dinner? Do you want something to eat? <laughs> yeah, all right. Oh, amazing. Right. Could you tell me a little bit about what your life was like before you lost your dad? Just paint a picture mm. for, like, what was your childhood like, mm. growing up into adulthood? Mm. Paint a cat like picture of you and your character. Um... Well, I was a really unruly child, um, almost, I mean, possessed in a way <laughs> with naughtiness. Um, the best kind of kids. I was definitely, uh, my parents had no boundaries mm. with me. And I now realise being someone who loves structure mm. and being on time and all of these kind of little things. And I like preparation. Yeah. I realise I just craved mm-hmm. a Routine. bit of structure. Yeah. And um, I know that my parents were rebelling against structure mm. and it probably is a cyclical thing that just goes round <laughs> and I'll have like a very yeah. rebellious child and they'll have a very chill child, whatever. But um, I, I lived with my parents together till I was four. Mm-hmm. Um, they broke up. Um, my mum found it really hard to deal with his drinking and his lifestyle, even though she herself was also living a rock star life or whatever she you know bohemian vibes (laughs) and um so I think for me I I had a dad but he was like someone that I saw sometimes Mm. um I do remember living with him but again it was like this friendship more Mm. and I never I never had like a very deep 
intimate, like, cr- I never cried in his yeah, lap. Yeah. I never was like, Dad, I've just broken up with someone. Yeah. And he never went, don't worry, princess. Yeah, was never, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that, <laughs> but it was, he was someone that really inspired me because mm. he was a creative person. Mm. He was a performer. He was someone that just was punk. Like, mm. their his vibe inspired me. Yeah. And I very much would just kind of sit and listen to his stories. Mm. And he just obviously loved having an audience. Yeah. And would be like, when I was younger, (laughs) yeah, wouldn't have guessed that. It's like this strong Scottish accent. sat there in awe. And I was like, wow. (laughs) You can't believe I'm related to this cool dude. Yeah, you're my dad. (laughs) But there was a level of intimacy, I guess. Like, I can count the amount of times he said Mm. he loved me. And that hurts me Mm. in when I reflect back on it, because I think with grief, you think, did I say I love them enough? Of course, yeah. Did I go round enough? Mm. So I think with a parent that wasn't 100% mm. in your life, in, your face, in the yeah. you know mud with you yeah. throughout everything, I feel like there are a few more question marks and mm-hmm. it's not just this straightforward, I lost my best friend. He mm. wasn't my best yeah. friend. Um, and my mum was my dominant parent mm-hmm. who... You brought me up single mm. after my dad left when I was four. So mm. she was a single mum. Yeah. And, you know, having a relationship with someone who at the, at the time was drinking a lot, for me was really hard. Mm-hmm. Like as a teenager, introducing him to boyfriends and mm. stuff, he'd be drunk. Yeah. And I remember just having, being embarrassed mm. and also then really trying to protect him and... Yeah. All the things that go with being the ch- with yeah. the child of an alcoholic, which there is a very much a routine. You grow up quick. Yep. Um, you are responsible for everything. You try and protect them. They also have difficulty expressing love because mm-hmm. there's something else going mm-hmm. on, right? But then he drank less and he got married and had another family. Mm-hmm. So then there was also a bit of separation then because he was yeah. having he was on another little yeah, journey, course, which yeah. I wasn't again in the bosom oh, of. Yeah, yeah. But I'd never been, so... Yeah, so it's gone like, what's new? It was kind yeah. of just like, I'm still going to go and see my dad every week mm. and we're going to hang out and chat yeah. and stuff. So um, I guess that's that's how I related to him. Mm. Um, and then there was the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So for me, my grief really started at that point. That's okay, yeah. um, it's but, very interesting with that, so with people who have... Because um, the shock started yeah. then. Like, that's when my heart... Yeah. would could not go back like to a normal, normal rate. Yeah. yeah, normal pain. Because the panic was... Just from the jump. Yeah. yeah. So was Dad's diagnosis terminal from the go? Yeah, it was three months, it was three months that he had to live. Right, so it wasn't from... even... <laughs> no. <laughs> so my dad... No, he's poorly. Yeah. We're going to go through this. It no. Was, he's ill. It's like, it's... Is, yeah. There's no hope. Yeah. And um, so I remember being in my studio... And he called me and I knew he'd been in hospital, but mm. I thought, cause he never always told me when he was, so, mm. so apparently he had a stroke and he didn't tell me. And he was like, Oh, you know, I had a stroke. And I'd be <laughs> like, Dad, yeah. that's not just something you say Dad, to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> but also he doesn't like, he's not a drama queen. Fucked so over. Yeah. he, he thinks you endure pain and that is life. Mm-hmm. Cause he's got a very, he had a hard upbringing mm. and he was a very strong person. So 
he wasn't like me, delicate mm. flower moan about everything. <laughs> uh, <ew>. um, <laughs> he was made of the strong of stuff. Steel. So yeah. him having a stroke and falling down the stairs wasn't a big deal. And I was like, wow, okay. But it meant that my anxiety around yeah. him was very high because mm. I couldn't, once I found out he'd had a few strokes, I think yeah. I think he had three strokes oh, or God. something. Um, and also he was, he'd fall over and his teeth, front tooth, front teeth oh. came out and um, just things that for someone who has built a life of trying to be on top of things mm -hmm. as a result of yeah, these of, maniac yeah. parents. Um, worrying about him was yeah, something that yeah. really affected me. So as soon as you get the phone call that weirdly I'd been expecting mm. my whole life really? because he had a brain hemorrhage when I was 10. Okay. And I remember from that moment thinking my dad's mortal. <laughs> yeah. When is he actually going to die? Cause I thought yeah. he was going to die, die then. then. Yeah. So, so from 10, it was sort of, I think, my dad's not going to be yeah. around for And also I life. knew, because I saw on the cigarette packets, it said, kills. smoking kills. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, well, he smokes a lot. Yeah. And then I knew that alcohol wasn't good yeah. for you because, you know, people would talk about this word alcoholic mm -hmm. and I didn't know what really what that meant, meant yeah. and what the impact was. So I think once he called me and said, like, I haven't got good news, mm. I'm ill, and I've got three months to live. Mm. I remember being so cool on the phone and just being like, okay, yeah. And do you need my help with anything? Mm. And and I kind of wish what came after my reaction, after I hung up, the explosion, mm. I actually cried on the floor of my studio. Yeah. I couldn't hold myself up. Um, I kind of wish I'd done that on the phone now. Because yeah. I want, I wanted my dad to know that I that I really cared, yeah. and I tried to be strong in that mm. moment, and I did that for the rest of his illness. Yeah. And I didn't just let myself be like, "Dad, I love you. Yeah. I'm just so scared." And there's something about I wouldn't let myself be vulnerable. And yeah. when I look back, I do think we would have been closer for it. Do you think? I don't know. I, I don't. Think I imagine. I, my mum always says, "Why didn't you show that side that you show me, which is the weak side, the mm. the imperfection?" I don't think that's the weak side. That's, no. that's um, I think you did. You did what you did on the phone yeah. for dad. Yeah, maybe for dad. Mm. Not. Not necessarily. For, I think you did it for him. Thinking. Yeah. This he's the one who's dying. Mm. If I buckle on the phone. Mm. What's that gonna do for him? It just make like the pain once you realise. Yeah. Imagine making that phone call as well. Like exactly, yeah. I guess I was trying to make it as easy for him as possible. Exactly. I think that maybe yeah. unconsciously you you were thinking mm. of for him. Because yeah, to, to call you to call your daughter and say, darling, I'm not gonna be here for yeah. much longer. Yeah. It's horrific. Yeah, it gives me the creeps just thinking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there was a, a toughness to me that mm. I developed. And I think that also grieving people have, which is that you can be strong, mm -hmm. get on with it. And it started at that moment. Yeah. Definitely. Like yeah. And I just wish I would have just softened myself, maybe not had to cry in front of him, but... Mm. Because I think that's where my um, 
denial of what was happening to me mm. really started is um, was actually two years before he died. So he mm. lived for two more years. Yeah amazingly um, yeah this is without any treatment so um he doesn't like being told what to do <laughs> and once they said you're terminal they said we'll put you on the chemo yeah and he was like i don't think so why are you telling me what to do it's my life yeah and he didn't like the way that it was just presumed yeah he said if i'm not gonna make it why are you do what what's the point yeah. and they were like well we just that's what we do yeah and that's kind of just what we do and he was like fuck off (laughs) fuck you i'm getting out of here right now i just and i was like whoa (laughs) oh shit (laughs) and even though he made choices in his life that were contrary like he always tried to be different Mm. i do actually think that choice meant that he had a better quality yeah. of life and I think we often don't talk about quality of life mm-hmm. in death because yeah. we're so desperate for someone to live yeah. that we will operate we will do a lot of things that actually if they're terminal, they're terminal. maybe let's just think about what, what dying they, looks like yeah, yeah. and is dying for you better at home mm-hmm. coming in a way that we can manage the pain mm-hmm. And in a way where you're maybe not recovering from a surgery or mm-hmm. you're not recovering from yeah. a lot of things drugs that, put into you that drugs have side and, effects. And like yeah. there's side effects of like your personality goes missing and your body changes. Like my mm-hmm. dad's body was gonna change anyway, mm-hmm. but it changed much less drastically yes. than people that I've seen who've died have from chemotherapy. Yeah. And and that image often I'm a very visual person. No, absolutely. And I images yeah. stay with me. So when I've absolutely. seen people, I think that's not them. That's, that's not, them. not yeah. who, they didn't look like that. And I think for me, even though, you know, he had an eight-year-old kid at this mm. point and he had a wife at this point, and I think, I don't know what their thoughts were on it, but I, I understand that it could have felt like a kick in the teeth to not... Yeah. try everything yeah. you could but for me I was gonna say how did that make you feel when I dad think, said no I'm I'm not gonna I think also the bit I was annoyed about is my sister is very healthy person your um, eldest my my older sister yeah. and she is like health guru vibes mm-hmm. so when she was like okay dad you're not gonna do the treatment but let's try eating differently let's try drinking differently yeah. let's try all of these different yeah. things, and that was just not going to happen. No. Not going to happen either. He wanted to live, die how he'd live. On his terms. On his terms. And actually, I've always thought, oh, dad never taught me anything. Dad was this, dad was mm. that. No, dad fucking taught me, yeah. do things your way until the end. Oh, oh my what? God. I knew it would be a crier. I knew it would be. But how, brave, you, how brave no, is that? No, it really is. Because whenever, whenever we talk of your dad, and the only... I don't know what it is, but whenever we talk of your dad, the song that always comes to my mind, My Way, Frank Sinatra, mm. and I don't know why, but it always does. <laughs> I did it my way. Because he did. And I think there's something so heroic about that. To look death straight in the face. And laugh. And laugh at it. <laughs> and be like, not today. Go, Fuck your social norms. I'm not having chemo. Yeah. 
fuck it, I want to live my life how I have for the whole of it for this last amount of time. Because it's what brings me joy. It's what makes me happy. Yeah. If I'm going to die, I want to live the most happy time I have left. And I don't think we realise what impact on your mental health can do for if you are feeling happy and you are feeling surrounded by people that Mm. you love and your brain feels happy. Mm. I felt like he did want to keep going yeah because me personally I don't like being in hospitals Mm. I don't like the feeling of not having freedom I don't like being poked and prodded Mm. I'm very precious I think humans are precious about their bodies Mm. and um and you feel like they don't know what's wrong and that's why they're poking you and yeah you're like a little Um, lab rat but there was there was a lot of um joy and pride that he had in those last um two years and every birthday was a party and every you know I've always wanted to do this let's Mm. go to the races or let's go to this or let's go to that and stuff that I'd kind of thought I'd do with him but weirdly hadn't done up until until that point was stuff that we even though it was it was still painful Mm. because I knew why we were doing these things yes bittersweet and I think, again, that was where my heart would kind of race slightly when it was his birthday. I'd just think, is this the last this one? Is yeah. this the last one? Um, but I was with him then. Mm. And um, it was a very kind of wonderful long goodbye that mm. I got. And um, I do think a lot of that was down to dad choosing it. So, yeah, you know, thank you for that. Yeah. What were those two years like? So, obviously, you were told three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking good stretch. That like. was also, it was three months. They said, you'll have three months without chemo. Mm-hmm. And you might have six months, potentially, with, with it. And he yeah. just did the maths and just thought, well... Mm. And then he said, but what if I don't do it? And they were like, well, we actually can't tell you how long you will live for because we don't know. Yeah, we, yeah. And I think he found that much more thrilling. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Okay, almost like... Oh, yeah, I don't want to be told yeah, yeah, how yeah. long I've got. Yeah. I'm going to show you how yeah, long I've got. Yeah, I will show you and put that in your fucking books. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, write me down. Yeah, and then the next person who asks, a miracle. Yeah, you can tell them. <laughs> Two years. Yeah. yeah, he can give them that. Yeah. Absolutely. But in those two years, what was it... What was it like every day for you, if you can recall? Like, was it like I think like I sleeping, was like was oh it, yeah, all oh, over the place. Oh, yeah, as I say, like every night was it. And so for me, it looked very, it looked very different to after the death. Mm. So, like I said, I had these three years of nothing, yeah. and I don't know if it's because I had two years before then of the constant real, panic, real, yeah. of worry, of like I remember. The week after he told me he was going to die, I had an exhibition that week. Mm. And I remember thinking, Mum, I've got to cancel everything. Mm. I can't, I don't want Dad to have to come if he's in pain. I can't do it without him there. I really want him to come. Mm. And um, Dad was like, are you joking? Of course do your exhibition. I will be there. Just get me a chair. Yeah. So I can sit down Mm. and like... Oh my God, he was in the middle of the room on like a throne, basically. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a throne, but he embodied it as if as it was. Throne, he had like a little um, walking stick and and he got to see all my family that he maybe hadn't seen. Like my granddad was yeah. there, RIP. Oh. And my aunts were there and my little sister was mm. there. And it was just like, 
I could kind of see how he wanted these last bits to be like he wanted to be involved course, yeah. and he wanted to witness as much as he could before mm-hmm. he went um but yeah I would say in the two years dealing with the diagnosis I was I was panicked mm. I was anxious mm. or already an anxious person anyway so it's just like an excuse to turn the anxiety up, <laughs> up a little bit higher um a lot of worry, a lot of hope, a lot of um, talking to people about it. But it was it was hard because I always felt it was harder talking mm. about someone who's terminal than talking about someone who's dead. So people yeah. couldn't, couldn't be like, you know, I know your dad died and I know that must be awful. It was like, so your dad's not well. Yeah. Oh. Don't know when he's going to go. But yeah. Um, like we but, know, but we know he's going he's to. still around. Um, So I think there's almost less language around Mm, a terminally ill person than there is around grief. Because I, obviously now that we've spoken and we're part of learning a grief Mm. language, I actually felt um, people were more awkward with me then. Mm, Yeah. Because there's something coming your way. Something very imminent. There's an impending doom. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like it. Yeah. And we just didn't know when it was going to be. And there's no way for people to try and sugarcoat it. You can't fix that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't You can't give it, like, suppose after you die, people give it the whole time's a healer or shit yeah. like that. And yeah. Whatever. Yeah. With, with uh, yeah, an impending death, it's, what do you say? Yeah. You can't sugarcoat, you can't drop a little dose of and if you do like that. maybe he will get better so I, I found I, I found that unhelpful that's that's, that's quite unhealthy I think mm. when and you're like maybe it's like no 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 they've said there is they, no the, the doctor the way that it said, is moving through yeah. his body he won't be able to exactly. function so don't try and plant a, a fairy tale in my head yeah. like as much as it is my you and I dream. are not into the fairy tale no, like real real experience mm-hmm. is not anyway yeah. like a fairy tale we would love it to be it just isn't it's not yeah fortune this 2020 is fine 2020 <laughs> is taking the piss out of everyone a fucking bitch yeah <laughs> um so yeah we sort of dipped into well we've yeah, majority on your story there um would you mind going into when you found out dad died oh god and yeah where you were of course you can remember oh god uh, <laughs> I'm sure we all we all remember, don't we? Um, it's like you know when people say, "Where were you when?" Yeah, I feel like this is your own personal "Where yeah. were you when?" Yeah. because you will never forget never. it unless you're really drunk or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, this is like a moment that definitely stays with you. So, um, Dad had been admitted to hospital, just getting to the point where he was not functioning anymore. Yeah. Um, and I remember seeing him and being like, whoa, mm. he's gone very yellow mm. and he has become very skeletal. Mm. So I remember putting my hand on his back and feeling yeah, his spine. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, oh no. And because I'm very, I say I'm very practical, but I was thinking, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. Running through my head. So I was trying to savor moments. I was mm. trying to... Um, make things as comfortable as possible. I remember there's a race called the Grand National that my mm. dad has been obsessed with his whole life. Mm-hmm. And he would put 
loads of tickets on and mm. he'd give you your ticket yeah. when you came around to his house. So you didn't know what, I didn't know what no. horse it was, mm. but we would all do a big thing and he never won and always <laughs> like some random person always won and he was always really pissed Fuming. off about it. Yeah, he never won. Oh, um, bless him, but he did it for everyone. Yeah, he, he wanted to get everyone interested. I was always just terrified. Like, I couldn't watch. If one fell over, sure. I'd start crying. Like, yeah, it, it, it was intense for me, right? Yeah. But, um, but he wanted to listen to the Grand National in hospital, but he's in a room with like maybe six yeah. other people at this point. Um, and he's like, come on, get the Wi-Fi, get it on. I want to know, you know, what about this person? So I, I realised with people who look after ill or dying people, if you're caring in some way, mm. again, my anxiety, like I was stressing out trying to get the Wi-Fi. I was trying to get yeah. an iPad that I could play this on. And even though it's, that was meant to be a nice moment, I was definitely Stressful. stressed because mm. I wanted him to, if this pleasing. is going to be the last thing, he needs it, I he needs it now. So then yeah. I'm like demonic in my own little way trying, <laughs> what's the Wi-Fi? <laughs> you know, give me the password. What's the code? <laughs> you know, just in your, like my madness. No, <laughs> 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 You'd be scared know, if you're yeah, working there. Like, <laughs> capital A, <laughs> lowercase C, and I'm like lowercase what? Yeah, but the fucking hospital nurses were like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, brilliant! So you got the so Wi-Fi. We, so we've managed to get that. You got the and Wi-Fi. So it was me, his wife, <laughs> and all his daughters. So three of us with him there listening to the Grand National, mm. which you know. Now, as a memory, I'm like, God, we smashed it. Got the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did that. We did that. Got the Wi-Fi. Um, and then I think he spent about a week in hospital and I was visiting every day. At this point, I was in the middle of getting a book done mm. and they were calling me and being like, excuse me, can you sign off on the front cover? <sighs> and I just thought, no. Fuck you. No. And they were like, well, if we're going to get it out in time for Christmas, it has to go to print. So there was a weird conversation that I was having in the hallway with my publisher mm. and with my management about getting my book done, which weirdly I could do. Mm. It was it was a time when I could switch off. And also it was something that I knew what I was talking about. So Mm. I could go and have these conversations, be like, I don't like that cover, but I think this one could work. And there was a moment where I felt normal Mm. and I felt professional and I Mm. felt like I could cope. Yeah. And my life was going to be okay. Yeah, if I can do this now. Even though when I hung up, I was still in the Whittington, like waiting on a floor that was for people that, they were very concerned about. Mm. Um, eventually he got moved to his own room and I don't quite know how he managed it, mm. but it was something to do with, he made up some stuff about, oh, I need my own loo. And so <laughs> basically he just- He winged it. He was just trying to get plus one on the guest list of life again, <laughs> because that is his skill. Um, gift of the gab. Gift of the gab. He needed his own room. Um, he was just on a, a morphine drip that he was really enjoying. Um, they kept being like, um, you should probably be unconscious at this point with the amount of morphine. He's like, I can crank do it. it yeah, crank it up. <laughs> and they were like, okay. Again, he's like hard as nails, this guy. They're thinking, who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, who is this? Crazy. So um, I think because I was very aware that this was it, um, on the last day that he was alive, my sister and I were just playing in music um, in the hospital room. 
um, again in our own private room, which was lovely. Um, and he was just singing along, mm. and he was like, "Oh, I love that one." But again, I'm a bit stressing out about the Wi-Fi and yeah, like, yeah. is there a YouTube ad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, do you have Don't Spotify? Who has Spotify? <laughs> um, no ads, please. No ads. <laughs> um, and he'd kind of go in and out of being asleep and being awake. Um, and I remember crying so much and not knowing whether he was still breathing mm. that I was too nervous to go to the loo in case he died, oh, no, okay. even though the loo is just there, like next to the bedroom. Yeah. And so I, I needed a tissue because my nose was running, but I would just get the sheets and just like <laughs> blow my nose into the sheet. All eyes like, on him as well at all, the same time. All my tears. Yeah. And then I put it back down and be like, okay, so I can, I'm I can still just, here. I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot of, um, I just was almost desperate to mm. not leave. I was yeah. desperate to be there. I was desperate to have some kind of connection. And he literally starts going, come on, come on, I'm ready. Oh. And like, even though it was really hard to hear I someone can, yeah. say that, because I didn't want him to go. Yeah. And I remember my sister saying, dad, your body's just a big old coat and it doesn't fit you anymore and it's wet and it's heavy and you can just take it off. Mm. And, and he was like, yeah. Because I could tell he was uncomfortable mm. in his, his body, skin, and his it wasn't hair. it wasn't how it was meant to be mm. for him anymore. And I thought, God, that's quite a bold thing. To yeah, say. but you were like, Damn, wow, sissy, wow, yeah, okay. But he, it was, it, it just made sense to him, and I think he calmed down a bit then. And mm. and um, something about hearing someone say, "I'm ready," I think a lot of my anxiety left. Mm. And I thought, actually, I don't have to be here all night long. Yeah. I can go and get some rest for myself. Mm. He's okay. Yeah. And I think we left at about midnight and he died at 3 a.m. Okay. And also there's so much stuff about my dad where if you're there, he wants to talk to you. Mm. And he wouldn't let any of us help him go to the loo. Mm. He was quite private. Prideful man, yeah. Very private. And he didn't like the idea that he needed help going to the loo. Mm. That was something that really annoyed him and... He wanted to be able to yeah. do that. That was his pride that he could do that. So, okay, okay, I'll let you do yeah. that. Um, and then I thought there was something that he he needed to be alone. Alone, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because otherwise he was drawing it out for us, mm. to be alive for yeah. us. And I just knew, actually, we, we left and he would have had some moment to yeah. himself. To go and maybe he would have just been like, I don't have to be on anymore. Mm. I don't have to perform anymore. Yeah. Um, and I really hurt. it may not have been like that but in my mind no, and my heart yeah. I, I think that he got to have a chance to just again on his own terms yeah. on his own yeah. he got to just just yeah, go. take the old coat off yeah yeah oh my gosh I know so I got a call from his wife basically right. probably about 7am right. the next day and as soon as I heard the phone go I thought he's gone he's I never get phone calls early. They yeah. know that I sleep late. Yeah, yeah. They know I'm a little piglet and I don't get out of bed till 9.30. Um, and she was in bits. Mm. And again, I was like, okay, mm. um, is there, you know, do you, should we come and see you today? Should we go for a walk on the heath? Shall we? Um, and she, I think she said, would you like to see his body? And I said, no, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Mm. And... Um, 
I think now that I know more about the death process and also funerals and I know a bit more about it, I didn't realise that you could... It was the idea of him on the metal table that gave me... Mm, the heebie-jeebies. The creeps. Because yeah. I knew he wouldn't... He'd have a sheet over it. I watched too much CSI and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but now I know that you can ask to view them in a more comfortable mm. way. So they can be wrapped. Yeah. in fabric mm. they can be clothed in their clothes yeah like chat in the chapel of they, west and yeah. stuff like that yeah. so i did i didn't realize and i think now looking back i would have liked to see his body mm-hmm. and and just maybe say a few things like you're you're at rest now and mm. and i love you very much and you know just a, a bit of goodbye that was physically to him mm. i think i would have liked to reflect but you know now i know more about it i'm i'm really glad mm. um that there are questions you can request of your undertaker and yeah. the funeral director and say, I'd like you to prepare them for me to see them. Yeah. And I want them to look comfortable yeah. and I want them to be peaceful, have a few things with them. Yeah. And I would, you know, whatever that is, I might just shut the curtain a bit. Yeah. I, I can see. Yeah. You I were struggling see. a bit in the I'm blind. Blind. <laughs> I'm blind. A wee bit blind. A wee bit blind. A wee, <laughs> a wee bit blind. <laughs> what part of, Scotland was he from? He's from just outside Edinburgh. Okay. Um, a fishing town called Musselburgh. Okay. And yeah, he had, I think there were six of them. Six siblings? What yeah. Oh my god. I think he was one of, maybe he was number seven. Oh, no way. <laughs> so there were loads of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Granny Dot passed away last year. Oh, okay. So his mum. Yeah. But she had dementia, so when people were trying to explain to her that dad was dying, she was like, she maybe thought it was her husband mm. or who had died um, when my dad was 12. So yeah, I think there was something nice about knowing that his mum was still around and mm. even though she wasn't in the best way, someone who'd known dad. It's and, a link, isn't it? Yeah. It's a link. when, yeah. And then when those links sort of start... Mm going after such a a big loss like for me there's there's losses that I think about and I think god that'll be awful in itself and I think but then even more awful because that's a A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Another link to mum. Mm. That's another mm. person who have stories of mum and stuff like that. So it's almost like a double whammy. Mm. Um, I was going to ask, before I go into the next question, can you talk a bit about your dad's funeral? Because I know Oh, that, hun. Yeah. Let's mm. get into this. I love it. <laughs> um, I think I didn't realise that I could 
do whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah, yeah. And because I was following in dad's lead, this was not going to be your regular yeah, funeral. Regular schmeckle. And I'd been to funerals with dad that he had just looked at me and been like... Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Mm. My half-sister, who's my older sister, had lost her mum four years before mm. dad died. And dad came to her funeral and he went, I want it just like that. I want it just like that. So my sister had created this wonderful thing um, where we had a cardboard coffin Mm. and people would come and write Mm. their notes in Sharpie all over the coffin and then suddenly it's covered. And you get... You know, someone might have something they wanted to say or just even send their love in a way that felt very unconventional mm-hmm. or felt a bit naughty, like writing mm. on a coffin. Yeah. Ooh, like, ooh, um, <laughs> and he said, I don't want any fuss. I want cardboard coffin. Mm. I like that. Not too expensive. <laughs> I was cheap like, okay. <laughs> um, but cause me and my sister are very creative souls. We were like, okay, what we're going to we put do? the Scottish flag. Um, but the lion rampant flag, which is a different Scottish flag. Okay. I don't know if it's more traditional. I don't know anything. I need to learn. But, um, <laughs> There's a flag called the Lion Rampant, which is a red lion on a, on a yellow background. Mm. And my dad had one, and it's like old flag. Mm. I don't know where he got it. Portobello Road, he loved secondhand shops. Yeah. Um, and we put his scarf, his tartan scarf, and the flag over. We put like flowers mm. all over the coffin with thistles and everything. Um, you know, his identity as a Scottish man in London yeah. was very much part of him and I knew his family were going to come down mm-hmm. and his friends and everything and he you know his name was Jock the Scott that yeah, was exactly, what people knew exactly. him as you could not I'm not you know not I'm, I'm going to make it as Scottish as possible yeah, exactly. um, Absolutely. and we had little um, pieces of tartan that my sister cut to size so that you could make a ribbon mm. and we had all these pin badges so as soon as somebody turned up We'd make them a little yeah. tartan ribbon. And the dress code was tartan. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And his friend, who's a Scottish actor, um, led the memorial. Um, we, we had readings from all different people. And then big double-decker buses with mm. his name on and a tartan ribbon at the front. And apparently people were like, oh my God, is that Jock's funeral? Like, because we, oh. we drove through London. Yeah with these two buses to the wake it's insane and like his friends are like getting on and off the bus like I just got to go and see someone I'm like oh okay yeah. <laughs> see so you later like, TFL yeah <laughs> see you later um, and then we went to the Bethnal Green Working Men's Club which is somewhere that I'd been with dad we'd been to see gigs there together mm. and it's a very it's, it's so my dad mm. it's a pub right yeah. so it's got like the dirty tacky carpet that <laughs> smells sticky, of like yeah. crap uh, but it's also got a huge love heart in yeah, lights amazing. so my friends bless them I was having a bit of a breakdown about how am I going to dress the space but also attend the funeral mm-hmm. so a lot of my friends said babe we don't need to come to the funeral we'll dress the space mm-hmm. while you're yeah. there so when you come back it's exactly as you want mm-hmm. it and those are people I would have liked to have had with me there mm-hmm. but they they gave me that support yeah. And I've always said to them, if if you ever need me, I will be there. Yeah, for what you've done for, for me. This That for me is probably one of the biggest things that I'm grateful for in my yeah. life is that they hung up 
tartan bunting oh. they put flowers everywhere they had baked cakes they mm. and so when they walked in my dad had a lot of friends that he was difficult right mm. and he was tight and he was you know he wouldn't buy you a drink and all that <laughs> stuff so people had thoughts about my dad yeah. that maybe weren't always good mm. because he was difficult and mm. I get that but when they walked in that room I managed to transform what they thought about him because this is who dad was he was a celebration he was a talent he was you know the bar is free Mm. like yeah my dad has made you buy drinks for him his whole life but today it's on it's on us it's on us it's on jock don't worry exactly so there was (laughs) i felt like there was a lot of healing that i got to give to dad Mm. by paying him that much respect and people um we read his poems all night long so there's a microphone at the front Mm. and the accents the people that you know you had someone oh um i love this one of my favorite of jock's poems uh it goes a little bit like this you know my uncle yeah and then (laughs) my uncle my uncle and then you've got people going oh and this is one of my favorites and then you've got just people from everywhere Different walks of life everywhere related to his words which were very um you know they were about depression and mm. they were about the feelings he had to his family and he really opened up through his writing he didn't open up in life mm. and that's fine but he had his his outlet which people really connected to and i suddenly thought god he he's really good <laughs> That's pretty he's good really that. good and pe- people kind of you know thought oh he's all right and mm. but there was something to do with in that moment the respect that mm-hmm. people showed him and I thought this is how people are going to remember yeah. dad and you know whatever thoughts like I said people had they maybe didn't know his kids loved him that much yeah. to, to do. They, you know, I know he had a daughter, but I maybe didn't meet her. And yeah. I'm like, no, that's me. Yeah, honey, that's me. <laughs> that's me. And I love him and this yeah, much. And, and I got the you. flowers from the place I wanted. Like we had God bless Jock mm. um, written in flowers mm. across the front of the stage. We had balloons. And mm. this is all money that I'd raised um, through people that he knew, through yeah. bands that he had supported, through... Um, you know, he didn't have any money yeah. to get the send off that he wanted, and I said, "No, I'm gonna do it, guys." You know, he does. He's yeah, a legend, but exactly. he's he's a broke legend. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I ain't got money, you know. but he's a legend. He deserves it. So I feel like for me, the funeral healed me. Yeah, and it healed his family, and it healed people who didn't think much of him. Mm. And his family maybe thought, "Oh God, he went to London and tried to be a poet, and mm-hmm. you know, had kids with three different women, or whatever." <laughs> you know. And it's like, no, we, we're all, it's love only. Yeah. And um, for me, that is something I just remember so, so fondly. Mm. And I think I left, loads of people stayed, there was yeah. music. And I was like, I'm exhausted, I'm traumatised, <laughs> I need to go and have some self-care, but you guys carry on. And I think it went on till yeah. late and I just thought, he's here, like he's here with us. Like this would be his perfect thing. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it was magic. Sounds like a movie. It was great. Literally like a movie. And I, I also didn't realise if you don't have that control over a funeral or if you're arguing with your family and I realised that that is something that stays with you. Oh, yeah. Like 
people might not think funerals are that important because it seems quite formal or it seems quite this or quite that. But it is your expression of love. It's a massive part of the journey. And if there is family difficulties mm-hmm. where it's like, no, it's going to be my expression and not yours. Mm-hmm. I realised how important it was for everyone to have that time on the microphone. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we asked, would you like to read something? Or would you like to carry his coffee? Mm-hmm. There was just, it was very open as to yeah. who felt comfortable doing what. So I used to date Nana Cherry, gorgeous. Ooh, yeah, and she, I asked, would you like to carry the coffin? Or mm. would you like to read something? And she was like, actually, I think like she, people had their boundaries, like mm. that doesn't work. So then someone else could do it. And yeah. there's something when you invite your community to remember someone, and get involved. it just felt very organic mm. and, and great. And there's been times where I have seen things that aren't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've been to them and I felt yeah, awkward like, oh, yeah. and I've been like, maybe it would have been better if you, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> criticized them in my mind because yeah. I, I'm a human. But um, I think for the living, mm. we need to remind people if you have wishes for your funeral, get yeah. them down. Absolutely. If you want to tell your family what song I, I might not know actually what my mum's favourite song is because mm. she's got loads of favourite yeah. songs. But um, so I feel like that we have a duty to help whoever's left behind mm-hmm. not argue with each other. Yeah. I want this, this and this. I want that coffin. Yeah. I'd like to... Uh, if you want to bury me, fine. Cremated, don't mind either. Yeah, yeah. So then there's, um, there's less unsaid. And I think because yes. death is not spoken about and, you know, even grief is is starting to become more spoken about, but... Yeah, I'm getting really into like death plans. Absolutely. And because we're in this community, people talk about yeah. that kind of stuff. And I'm like, exactly. There yeah. would be less arguments. Oh people God, would, would get be. to create something wonderful. Um, it takes that burden off the family. Yeah, because well. you don't always know what yeah. kind of coffin would they like. Exactly. Like, with my <laughs> mum, the, the only thing I knew was the songs that she wanted. Yeah. And she wanted to be buried in Norfolk, where she was from. Yeah. But that's all I knew in yeah. terms of what kind of wake she wanted that we were kind of a bit like oh don't really know but for me yeah. i know for my future kids or whatever if i'm blessed with them i'll be like hun you've got from like from the morning to the evening plan. yeah like, yeah I've, I've done it for you yeah. don't worry <laughs> but 9am you'll get up you'll do this yeah yeah <laughs> make sure you eat before the funeral yeah yeah have this for breakfast yeah. it's a hearty meal yeah <laughs> so i feel like the more we can have conversations and not feel that a funeral has to be a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you might want it to be a certain mm-hmm. thing. You might want it very traditional. Yeah. You might want, but it can. It as long as you have the freedom to yeah. create whatever you want, and I do think that sometimes comes from conversation. Mm-hmm. And because my dad was dying, he said I wanted it just like this. Yeah. And even though we added a few a little tweak flourishes, <laughs> um, I did really feel that. I didn't realise a funeral was healing for the people that were attending. I just presumed it was like a bit of a goodbye. Mm. But for me, it like tied my relationship with my dad in Mm. this tartan bow. And it felt safe and loved Mm. there. And I've felt like that ever since. Um, That's amazing. I know. (laughs) Lucky. 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 Now that I've spoken to people, I know that is not... That is, you know, some people don't didn't go to the funeral. Some people yeah. didn't this. But again, I mustn't compare myself to other people's yeah. experience. 
experience <laughs> because I'm invalidating myself. Yes. But um, I know that other people have, haven't, had that, haven't had that and I'm really yeah. grateful that I yeah, got to have it. Absolutely, it sounds absolutely beautiful when mm. you just add your... There's something that you said in, in that that I'll bring back later to when I want to talk about grief case because as you said it, I was like, that's you. Um, literally, you said I went, that's just you. Um, but my next question for you is, what's your outlook on life now? Do you think anything positive has come out of your grief? Well, Amber, um, I, um, I've always thought that grief doesn't have to fix you. Grief you don't have to become a better person because mm-hmm. you have suffered a loss. And I think that can be a pressure on people mm-hmm. to be like, but you will learn so much more. <laughs> you will go so much deeper. Um, you'll be a better person. Yeah. You'll be this. And it's like, I don't think, I'm, I don't want to put pressure on anyone or myself to feel that, um, grief has improved me, mm-hmm. but grief has definitely taught me things mm-hmm. which maybe I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is an improvement. Whatever. <laughs> I just I there's something that I feel about toxic positivity and grief, and that we don't have to be anything. Mm-hmm. We don't have to learn from it. We can just be sad. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, but I think what I've got from it is that I'm not alone mm-hmm. and that's what I've got from the grief community thank you everyone um thanks guys I've got I can be a very critical person mm. instinctively because you know many different things and I think I've let myself mellow mm-hmm. because compassion in grief is something that just bubbled into yeah. me mm. um when I realised that I wasn't alone and that other people were dealing with their own grief, whatever that looked like, mm. and their own losses, it so comforted me that I wasn't an alien. Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling all these weird things that I couldn't understand on my own. Everyone was feeling weird, <laughs> strange feelings you that, feel that, too? that felt wrong or <laughs> yeah. felt um, shameful. shameful um, and like I've spoken to you, I felt a lot of relief after my dad mm. died because he wasn't suffering anymore and I felt ashamed of that. Mm. And then suddenly lots of other people who had um, expected loss, mm. there was this feeling of like, they're not, they're not in pain anymore. Mm. And I said, that, that for me was like the most taboo thought yeah. that I'd ever heard and I would never tell anyone that. Mm. Um, and then when I realised oh my God, other people have that, that yeah. they're happy that they're not in pain anymore. Mm. Obviously, I'm not happy that they're not here, but it was just things that I felt were mm. like thoughts that I just pushed you just kind of, so yeah, things far that down. You, you cannot say out loud. So now I'm just saying like mad stuff all the time, <laughs> like maybe this, maybe that. Um, and I've become, um, I think I've found my voice in my yeah. grief and I'm grateful for that. And um, just to be part of something where I can put myself in the back seat a bit because mm. I'm very much attention seeker. <laughs> I'm a drama queen. I want it all to be about me. So I think from my grief and finding the grief community, I've been able to just be like, wow, I'm just a human and other people are dealing with it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really good for my ego. <laughs> 
because at the beginning I thought yeah. it was like the poppy me. show yeah you know I've lost my dad <laughs> I've lost my dad um and I kind of wanted it to be like I wanted everyone yeah, no, to and I think everyone has been through that in a in a sense of my xyz has died this is about me I can do whatever the fuck I want with that I can yeah. do I can be wild with it yeah I can talk to whoever how I like, yeah. for me anyway. There's definitely two I sides of like definitely. I wanted I'm longing to for know. community. Yeah. I'm longing for community, but I also But also fuck the lot of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, like, fuck everyone. Yeah. So I think just being able to take a seat back and sit with my grief mm. and create a space for other people to sit with their grief, it feels like a much more mature place. Mm. And because I'm naturally you know, permanent teenager, permanent child, just <laughs> in how I am. Um, I feel like I've matured in a way that I'm really pleased. And I think my yeah. dad would be really pleased that I can put myself a bit to one side mm. and genuinely give my listening and my love to other people mm. that that lovely, timid first moments that you and I mm. both know so well of someone saying, I've never spoken about this mm. or oh, I didn't know this existed. Yeah. And I'm like, come here. Yeah. It's come so okay. We're all here together. Yeah. And we've all been through it. Take a seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Join the club, hon. We're all yeah. here together for and you. And there's, there's something quite, not parental, but I feel like I can take what my dad gave me, which was really love, unconditional mm. love. I can give that to other people in a, in by giving people a space to share yeah you know being heard is such a huge part of love and um you know that a relationship with someone where they listen to you Mm -hmm. feels intimate it feels Mm -hmm. loving um so I feel like that's my way of honoring dad as well is Mm -hmm. like um just taking the time to listen to other people which I think due to my character I don't think I had that inbuilt before yeah I was selfish yeah no I, I, I was a selfish arsehole yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying it um yeah absolutely when you're when we're thrown into this world um speak about it all the time you gain this newfound empathy for people mm. um like I cry all the time I cry at everything and it's not just like sad happy tears I just Adverts. Feel, yeah, I just I just feel a lot more mm. like oh my god, what was I crying at yesterday? Little fires everywhere. Have you watched that? Haven't seen it yet. Fucking insane. Apparently it's good. So so good. But it was it was just like a really intense scene and I was just like I just feel everything right now. Mm. My partner's just like, you're fucking weird. You definitely sparkle you, with a different light yeah. that is much more you nuanced. You read than, people more, don't yeah. you? Like I bet uh, you and I are the same. Like, we go to a party and okay. we'll, we'll find the person yeah, and it's like, same. babe, did you lose? I lost someone. Yeah, yeah. Yes, let's have a chat. <laughs> you just because gravitate I, like I a magnet. I can't, I realise, I mean, I'm, I was bad at small talk anyway, but I'm worse at it now because mm. I know the depths to people. You know how far they can go. I know go, how deep. Don't ask me, oh, so what do you do? Yeah. You, there's more to you than yeah. that, and there's more to me than yeah. that. Like, come on, let's and get the that's, bullshit. That's the bit that's interesting yeah. about people, but we are, we're kind of functioned and kind of conditioned to just stay on the surface of to life. Just give surface levels. And of I people. don't want to do that anymore. No, neither. And, and that's, I think what, is, what makes the grief community so 
amazing. Is we because, love you. And honest to God, I'm indebted for, for the rest of my life. Is that we do, we skip that small talk part. Like, me and you were talking, we were like, oh shit, we didn't even really know like what you ever do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, what do you yeah, do? Because like, I, I know. Literally, we know everything about each other. I asked like, the stupid question because we'd already gone. <laughs> we had to do the surface level after we'd done yeah, the, the. It was the other way around. We'd done the deep dive. But that's how it goes. Yeah. It's we find out the really personal stuff first and foremost. And then it's the, oh yeah, what's, what's what do you do? How many ki- oh, kids or siblings or whatever do you have? Which is the less that? important stuff. Which is in the ground, yeah. Because I know who is. you are. Exactly. And whatever you did for a living wouldn't affect yeah. how, how deeply I, I knew you. And those feelings you have shared with Imagine me. Imagine if we all did that. I know, I know. This, and then this is why sometimes and I I'm do like, find oh it God. hard to meet people who want that. They feel more comfortable yeah. at the other level, yeah. And then there's times, I was going to tell you after this, as well that it's sort of like this as well and it's, but it's like, private but guys it's private and you'll all know about it soon don't worry <laughs> um and i was just like it was sort of the annoying oh it's just oh, this is and that and i was like i'm not used to talking to people like this i'm used to just being people say it's oversharing but it's not someone said it yesterday it's not oversharing it's um under talk something like that under talking <laughs> or something like that i don't know and I was like, yes, that's literally what it is. Um, so, yeah, miss me with that fucking small talk shit. It's not for me. No. That's why I love the grief community so well. Is that it's not like, it's almost like having a boy, like talking to her, like a new boy or something. Like, hey, what are you up to? Yeah. It's a nap. Really, you want to know like, when you're going to get dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know. You just want to know when your dick appointment the is. The information. Literally. Yeah. So it's like. Skip the bullshit. Wow, maybe that can be a... T- talking about grief is like getting the dick appointment. It's like getting the dick wow. appointment. Let's get straight to the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be your new cutout. <laughs> Let's get to the point. <laughs> oh my God. But to bring round to what you said when you were talking about your dad's funeral and then tying in with grief, Kay. You said with your dad's poetry and how in his actual personal life he didn't really express his emotions, mm. but like in his poetry he did. Mm. I, from what I know of you, I feel like that's you with your with your art. It is, like, isn't it? Like, to a fucking T. When is. you said that, you were like, oh, and I was like, that's you, Poppy. It's that's true. You. And your drawings yeah. and your cutouts and everything. I was like, you are your dad's daughter. Yeah. Like, I, didn't have, I didn't have the voice <laughs> in those three years after he died. I didn't have the voice yet. Mm. I didn't know the language, and that's something I've come to learn, but... I had the images mm. and I had the confidence that I knew how to make images yeah. that I loved and that I wanted to share. And I really feel whatever your creativity is, whatever your self-expression is, mm. whether that's journaling, whether that's drawing, whether that's talking in a public, mm. like sharing yourself, however feels safe for you and in a way that is creative in mm-hmm. some way, I just think that's when I got to to say how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I like I said, I was nervous. I was scared to do it at first. And then suddenly I found a language. And I actually feel like the art mm. came first and the words came, came after. after. Yeah. And that's why I try and encourage people. It doesn't matter if your drawing's good. It doesn't matter <laughs> if the writing's good. But what can you do to release yeah. that part of you again it doesn't have to be shared it yeah. can be 
for you Just to keep you, yeah. keep a book for yourself. For me, there was a release in sharing, sharing it because yeah. I think I'd been very cut mm-hmm, off. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when I get excited, and I think that's what the grief case is for me: yeah. is someone's written something. They're not a writer. They're not a poet, mm-hmm. but they got something down on paper. Mm. Um, and that grief can look delicious visually. Mm. It doesn't have to yeah. be a candle in a sunset all the time. No, no. It doesn't have to be muted and misty. Mm, mm. It can be current. It can be yeah. bold. Yeah. It can be exactly who we are. Mm. It doesn't have to be all of these, you know, notes that are heavy and sad. Yeah. Like kind of like in drawing... I'm no artist. Yeah. But um, when you shared the other day, actually, um, I'll give her a little shout, actually, because I loved it. Da, 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 da. So simple. Yeah. But the black and white. Yeah. yeah. Um, say goodbye and cry. So if you want to check it out, guys, it's at say goodbye and cry. And the picture I'm looking at, it's just, yeah, like, how would, you, how would you describe you describe okay so um <laughs> for everyone at home it's a an old-fashioned camera drawn in fine liner with very delicate details a lot of dappling um and then underneath it says take photos of the normal boring moments you'll miss those too it's, so it's, yeah just yeah. found an illustrator that was writing and drawing about grief and got to share that on a big platform mm. and then everyone else got to find exactly. her and like so that to me was someone was quietly drawing away yeah. in their own little space about their grief and you know get other people getting to, to connect see, with her yeah. and being like oh my god I feel like that mm-hmm. oh my god I didn't realize you could do little drawings yeah or, like they're okay they're not like uncool yeah or, you know they're not big and audacious and whatever yeah like, they still yeah like I feel something when I look at that and yeah it's not like a big old Banksy, or you know, whatever. yeah, so it's really intricate. You no, know, it can like be personal it and can it can be can unpolished yeah. and it can be raw, yeah. And I think so. Those of you who don't know about the grief case, it's a space where I share people's writing and I share images around grief, and I like to share the deep down, mm. dirty realism. Yeah. It's, I don't find it inspirational, like, mm. but I know that it is, yeah. if that makes no, sense, it, because yeah. somebody's just saying, like. I find grief really hard mm. and then there's a full stop. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to let you know other people feel the same. Yep. And that's where I got a lot of my comfort. It's like, mm. I have really dark days. Yeah. And so do other people. Yeah. And then you might have a good day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just to give people the listening mm. that they deserve yeah. and that they might not have in their everyday, in everyday life, life because they're yeah. coping mm-hmm. and they might not feel comfortable Surviving. and some people want to stay anonymous and absolutely and some people are like oh please tag me I'd love that yeah. so you know I work out what's respectful for them mm-hmm. and I, there's stuff that I read and I just know that other people feel that way yeah. and I have the urge to, to be like share. I would love to share that with yeah. people because I know there's comfort in that absolutely um so there's yeah. always at least one person who is that speaks to me I get that um so no matter what you share what you do mm. it always speaks to someone mm. that's what's like for me I mm. know um 
anything that I do or whatever, I know for someone, someone out there, this is hopefully going to help them. Yeah. And that's, I think both I'll get up and go. Absolutely. Um, with grief, okay, so how did you get from, so you, you posted it. Okay, so this is on my personal account. Okay, so you posted so, it on your personal yeah, account. Yeah, so right. on my illustration account, I posted Dead Death mm-hmm. Club. And I made a commitment in the caption that I was going to start a poetry club talking about death and loss, which has turned into what the grief case is today. And it started as me meeting with friends and family that had lost people. Mm -hmm. And we would read a poem, Mm -hmm. either that we'd written or that we'd found that described our grief in a way that we could not express. So people that you know, especially for me, I found it hard to talk about, mm-hmm. but I had found somebody's words that could say that it could, for me. Yeah. So I kind of got all these people together and we met and my friend said same time next month. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the ins- if you go down on the Instagram, yeah. right to the bottom, it's just photographs of those poems Okay. That we read. Yeah. And then a few things like um, when my dad was in the hospital, I drew him. Mm-hmm. And you can see that this is a dying man. Mm. But I couldn't process what I was looking at. And yeah. I thought, if I draw it, I can take I this can in it. in a way that yeah. is comfortable for mm-hmm. me. It can be a bit of light, a bit of dark, a few lines there. And it, may, it gave me something to occupy me. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the picture, I still, like, it really affects me because that is exactly what he what looked was, like. Yeah. But I'm really proud that I captured something yeah. and also comforted myself mm-hmm. in a way that seemed a bit unconventional. Like, why, yeah. why drawing a dead person or <laughs> a person that is dying? Yeah. And it's like, because I want to do something with my hands yeah. and I don't want to just sit here, like, do, freaking yeah. out. And it calmed me down. Mm. Um so it started as that. And then I was like, maybe there are other poems out there. And mm. then I started kind of finding other poems and quotes and stuff. Mm. And then w- once the meetup started to grow, people would bring their writing. Mm. And I was like, do you mind if I share that on the Instagram? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of trying to collect all these writings about grief and our experiences. They'd be like, yeah. And then people would come to share like hi I'd love you to share this on your Instagram because I read something that actually you wrote these are not professional people but they knew who the other person was friends of friends of friends from oh I followed you after that they posted that thing Mm and um, your story is really similar to mine like people who'd lost mothers um, during their pregnancy Mm. and felt inadequate as parents without their mother there and Mm. they wanted to ask their mum so I was like oh well you two can yeah you two can connect yeah you two connect and suddenly they weren't alone in that Mm -hmm. anymore um and then as it's as it's grown it's something that people are just sending in Mm. submissions now and um it's been an amazing the speed that it's grown I just Mm. don't know how to control it's like a beast unto itself now and um we're in the process of making it into a website so that I can keep all the submissions all in one there. place because yeah. I would like it to be, I would, I would like my DMs to be private if I ever let someone else do a takeover. Yeah. I want what people write to be private course, and yeah. I don't think you can do that in, anyway. Yeah. But there's like, there's, there's like logistics <laughs> yeah, that of course, I, of course. I would like it to be um, as accessible and um also something that doesn't impact on my mental health yeah um 
because you you do get loads of messages from people that are just panicking yeah. and in so much pain and I'm not a professional and I yeah. I want to create a safe space but also for me of course of and course. what I've learned from speaking to people about grief is they'll say hi I'd love to talk to you about grief but I don't talk about this and I don't talk about this and I was like boundaries yeah yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> uh, maybe I should put some of those yeah, in my like, life yeah, some of those I'd like those yeah and I was like wow I'm really on that now wow yeah. boundaries so that is part of self-care and part Absolutely. of and I only learned that through mm-hmm. having discussions with people in mm-hmm. the grief community because some of the stuff we talk about is traumatizing Absolutely. and is might bring up something that someone's just worked through yeah. so um I've realized that I don't I don't need to have my DMs all the time yeah something that panics me and then I obsessively try and help people and it's like I could turn this into something where you know my DMs are for something else or yeah, whatever yeah. but um again I think that's when you come full circle mm-hmm. is like hang on where where do I sit in this yeah. and am I okay yeah and um in having this platform am I still really looking after myself yeah and I think you and I both yeah I both understand early, that yeah. that um you know part of grieving is self-care mm-hmm. and boundaries yeah something that we're learning to yeah implement and I, and I think <laughs> it, and I, I, I feel like it will be or I don't want to go so far as saying a struggle, but I feel like it will always be, yeah, like an, a bit of like an uphill battle mm. for us. And I think anybody who is working in the grief community, be it professionally or unprofessionally, find, because it's something we're so passionate about mm. and we so want to help people, it's hard to find that line of when to stop. Because in a way, you know that if I stop, what does this mean for someone who mm. essentially might depend on this resource? Mm. Then it's fuck. I can't take a break because mm. if I do, this could be really bad for someone who is knee deep in grief right now, and what I post or what I do mm. or whatever is really helpful for them. But what I've began to sort of tell myself and try and implement is I'm no good to anyone else if I'm no good to myself. Mm. Um, I think that's for anybody working in the grief space is that you are number in, one. In general. In, in, literally yeah. in general in yeah. life, you are number one mm. and you're no good to anyone if you're no good to yourself. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that. I think that, I think that can get quite misconstrued as... Mm. Like it's almost like you know, well, you created this space, so mm. you know this is what comes with it. Absolutely, darling, I know that's what comes with it. But <laughs> I like self care. Yeah, <laughs> I like looking after me, and I and would that, like to be able to maintain exactly, the space in a way that exactly. I like envision it becoming. Yeah, and I'd like to. And keep, you have to be strong to do exactly, that. Exactly, and I, I yeah. want to keep delivering and providing a space and a safe space for you and for me. But, honey, I've got to look after myself, too. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, I think it would always be an uphill battle for us. Mm. Especially because it's part of a wider conversation that yeah. we have about grief not being supported in mm-hmm. in schools and mm-hmm. uh, by the government in a way that it's is... It's literally, yeah, it's, 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 it's the people on the ground... Doing the, doing, work. doing the work doing the fucking work look it's it's like that in loads of different mm-hmm. areas in healthcare and yeah, this and that and, absolutely. and i get it but 
it does mean that there is there is a burden because there's such mm-hmm. a need for it. Yeah. And if we're not prepared to work it into our, into our government, into our education, school, into, everything. Yeah. into it being something that is funded mm-hmm. in a way, it's like everyone's gonna die yeah but not no everyone's gonna have support. sex yeah. but you do sex education in school exactly yeah i sometimes think about that as yeah. an example it's yeah. like some people might not have sex yeah, yeah. it's really important but we're yeah. all definitely gonna experience mm. loss and die yeah that's inevitable yeah so if something was inevitable why are we talking about it why aren't we talking about yeah. it Fascinating. fascinating we're so fascinating with our huge <laughs> brains <laughs> but it's so true isn't it like when when i think about like how i started grief gang and and whatever it came from there being a lack of a lack of a space where i felt i was represented in i felt heard i felt seen and took it into my own hands no, no government's done fuck all. No, didn't know nothing about this in school. And yeah, as you say, it comes with most things that sometimes yeah, the community have to do it. Mm. Some some community have to get down on their hands and knees mm. and do the dirty work. Mm. And I'm happy to do the dirty work because what's come from it, like mm. this community. Because now you've got strong arms <laughs> yeah, got just being bloody, like, Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> My hands are so dirty. <laughs> but because of what's come from it in the community and the people I've met from it, I'm so glad I I did reach that rock bottom and came back up and found this because, like I said, I'm forever indebted to this community. Mm. And the, the, the messages that I receive, people receive of what the community space has done for them, I think, wow. And it's growing. And it's growing. I think it's growing by the day. Mm. Unfortunately, to current times as well. Mm. Even more so. Yeah. Um, And even with that, I I feel like the people who are creating spaces... Oh, we're on a tangent now, guys. I know it's happened. (laughs) I feel like the people who have lost people during COVID-19 and are creating spaces, resources, platforms... I feel like they're like a new breed yeah. of grievers. Yeah. But they're like the fucking tough shit grievers. Like when me and you have spoke about it, like and the people have reached out to us and what we would do, it's our journeys are now so different. Mm. And me and you, we both got to see our parents. Yeah, have a funeral that a funeral. Was, important was important for me. We got to we Imagine got to, if you didn't have that. Did, and these people don't have that. Mm. So I feel like the people who have nearly bereaved in these last four to five months and that are now creating spaces and places to talk about that they're the ones we need to be listening to Mm. they're the ones Mm. because god knows what they've been through Mm. god knows completely different journey and i take my i take my hat off to them who have created spaces so Soon. soon yeah it's insane when they've so like a month ago and they've created a space and I'm like I did not have the maybe we can shout them out or talk to or do a post around those people that you're talking about because um, you're so right I I wouldn't have the mental maturity it's a different beast I think in a way but I know they are so and it's not to diminish them and say 
you know, like, it's so strong. <laughs> they're so powerful. Mm. And so I see them as, yeah, like, I can picture just like a new breed mm. of people. Who Superhero. Literally, yeah, that is what it is. <laughs> I literally see them as It's evolved into yeah, something. Yeah, like us old grievers, we're like, you're oh. the fucking shit. <laughs> like, you're the bee's knees. But that's, yeah, that's my tangent. <laughs> tangent complete. Tangent completed. All right, my last question for you. The big one. <gasps> the big daddy. <laughs> if you could tell your past self one bit of truthful and honest advice for this grief journey that you're about to endure, what would it be? Oh, God. So if you could go back to Poppy yeah. in that moment, mm. what would you say to her? The thing is, I feel like I don't want to change her journey. Mm -hmm. So I think my first advice would be, however you are and however this is going to look, mm -hmm. you'll get there in the end. It may not look like you're grieving. Mm -hmm. It may not look like you need to talk about it. But you, there's going to come a point where shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> and I think just trusting in in that journey I mean I could say be more open or be more this or be more that but I actually I think however our grief journey looks is perfect yeah. and I don't like I said I have to always challenge that critical voice in my head and I can already hear myself criticizing my grief mm -hmm. journey and saying it sh I should have started talking about it from the beginning yeah. but um it's just realizing your body and your mind is going to guide you mm -hmm. wherever you're ready to go. And it may feel painful and yeah. it may feel like you're being taken in the wrong direction. But, you know, there's so much love in grief. And it's just knowing that you can fundamentally can always tap back into, that, yeah. into the love. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to guide you and take you there. So when it feels like anger, when it feels like hate, when it feels like no one understands me, no one knows what this feels like. They don't. Mm. But look into the depth of who you are mm. and just say, I trust you and it's going to be okay. Mm. <gasps> oh my God. Oh. <laughs> She's crying. I'm crying. She's crying. crying. You, see, you see how it's on tap for me? Like it's literally oh. on tap for me. Like. Oh. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. That was beautiful. I didn't know what I was going to say, but I think that's it's what true. I love about that question. I love asking yeah. that question because it's just a, like a word from it of just. Yeah. I always envision it when I when I ask myself that question. Like, mm. I just envision sitting in front of my nineteen year old mm. self and being like, Fair. "Hey, hun. <laughs> yeah, being like." <laughs> Things are pretty fucking shit. She's like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm your fairy grief mother. I'm going to tell you everything about the future. It will be okay. Yeah, you will be fine. Yeah. Well, that's it for my questions. Is there anything before we say our goodbyes that you would like to drop? Like a tag, a shout out, anything you'd like um, to drop? drop your handle I think I'd just like to say thank you oh Amber. don't the pleasure is all mine <laughs> um, I'm so happy we finally done it for creating everything that you've done for mm. 
taking me under your wing. <laughs> you took me under your wing. Okay, for us being under each other's <laughs> wings. And just to everyone listening who is bold enough to be on this journey, mm. to be open enough. Um, you know, Amber and I know that you're here because you loved someone. Yeah, absolutely. And we see that and we respect that. And, you know, like I said, that love I don't know who you are, you don't know mm-hmm. who I am, but I know that that love connects us for that person that we lost and keep working towards your wellness, mm-hmm. keep working towards your self-expression. Um, there are loads of places out there. Find what speaks to you, listen to what speaks to you. And then when you feel the courage, share that person with the world, mm-hmm. share them with someone that you meet at party. Mm-hmm. You know, say, oh, my, my dad's dead, but I would love to talk a bit more about him. Yeah. I know that might feel awkward for yeah. you, but my dad loved this song. Yeah. And I feel like I've really got to a point where talking about my dad flows in and out of my conversation mm. in a way that doesn't freak people out because I know that's how I want my life to be. I yeah. want my dad to be woven in yeah. and I want to talk about um wonderful memories and not suddenly feel that panic of like oh no they're going to be freaked yeah. out. Yeah. And the more that you and I have these conversations on platforms mm. the genuinely the more I think people who haven't been bereaved are going to be receiving these conversations and it will become more normal. And, you know, that's our dream moving forward is that um, conversation around death and dying and grief can become part of who we are, become part of education, become part of learning more about ourselves and being compassionate for Mm. other people because human beings can get a bit lost on their way especially with compassion whether it's like we've been talking about the race conversation mm. and and with grief especially there are there are ways that you can open your mind mm-hmm. to humanity yeah. and that's the journey that I really believe that we're on mm. and I want to just thank you and everyone listening for being part of that amen amen <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who needs a book. <laughs> <laughs> no, you actually no. You've already got a book. I've you got need a book. Yeah. I've got a book. Oh. You have such a way of words. It's so great. Well, Poppy, thank you. Thank you for being my <laughs> guest. I'm so glad we've finally done it. And as I said earlier, there's no one who I would be my first guest out of lockdown to be with. And just, I mean, you're probably you're probably going to be on the podcast again. Like, <gasps> oh my god! Like invite me back. back. Invite yes. me back. We can analyze because different things. Absolutely. We're your agony aunts. Yeah. <laughs> and if not on a guest, you'll probably see us on a live sometime soon. <laughs> and because you're a technological whiz, <laughs> oh, not you, me. <laughs> you might even like make a post that has like a bit of us talking, and like then a, a we snippet. can and we can tell people about it, and then they can listen to it. <laughs> The possibilities oh right well we we're gonna go and digress this and figure out how we can do this but thank you all for listening if you stayed this long for hour and a half but Oopsie. you know you want to stay for the whole the whole hog because mm. it's worth it and you've stayed um i don't know when this will be out so i can't give you a date because i'm um an unmessy i'm a messy bitch <laughs> <laughs> so but you're probably listening to it by the time 
you are now because it's out but i'm just waffling now so thank you if you like what you heard like subscribe share all that bollocks and shit like that and yeah i have been your host amber jeffrey for the grief gang joined by poppy chancellor hey <laughs> bye. bye love you <laughs> well that's it for this week's episode i hope you all enjoyed it and it set your week off to a great start whether you've laughed a little cried a little i mean i think crying is good for the soul or you've resonated with something that was said Thank you for listening and spending time out of your day to do so. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and subscribe. In doing so, you're ensuring that lots more people get to find the Grief Gang podcast and hopefully help them too. If you're not already, check out the Grief Gang on social media platforms such as Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm most active on the Instagram page where I love, love, love to connect with you all. For now, take care and big Big love. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.